Smartcast. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement. Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's with great pleasure that I have the opportunity to interview special guest Rebecca Dawson on her new book, The Agreement. Rebecca is an international channeler, speaker, and author based in Perth, Australia, who's been in the practice for more than 25 years. After facilitating over 2,000 private consultations, Rebecca's focus is in the last 10 years has been on research and understanding the shifts that are occurring on Earth and humanity. An ability to acutely observe the human field has led an interest in the mapping and documenting of the changes occurring in the human energy field and understanding how these changes impact our capacity, functionality, and experience of life. Many hours of clinical observation and hundreds of accompanied channel documents are revealed. The synchronicity and pattern of change sweeping across humanity and the planet. Rebecca is now devoted to bringing this information into accessibility so that humanity can start to have a conscious understanding of what is happening and what can be created from this emerging capacity. With the assistance of her team of masters, Rebecca facilitates workshops and events around the world that allow more understanding to occur and more information to emerge. But after 25 years of relaying information to humanity, there's a renewed urgency, according to the masters. Humanity is in the midst of making a massive consciousness shift, becoming more evident daily, a shift that will have us living and experiencing life from the place of totality, of oneness, not from duality, that separation that has marked our current reality. Her new book, The Agreement, has been written to help us ease into that place of highly elevated consciousness and awareness and prepare us to undertake this shift as it's a roadmap for embracing life from this new level of the cosmic mind. It's a great pleasure that I have the opportunity of interviewing special guest, Rebecca Dawson, who resides in Perth, Australia. Welcome to the show today, Rebecca. Thank you. I'm excited to be here <laughs> at such an amazing time on the planet. Oh, we're, we're so excited to have you on in general, in just terms of, of, what you have to share with our audience, I think will be so important. 
for our guests to understand. What I want to ask you first, before we even get into the substance of your new book, The Agreement, I wanted to ask you about your personal experiences as a channeler. If you could share with your audience when you first realized you had this gift and how it shaped your life. Well, um, I mean, different people channel in different ways. You know, some people channel music or art or um, sense. Uh, for me, I'm actually a voice channel. So uh, when I first started channeling, um, I had I, I, other capacities um, so I could see energy. And I've been able to do that since I was a really young child. But uh, as far as voice channeling goes, that's not something I really planned upon. Um, I know that some people, you know, go out and learn how to how to do that. For me, it was a completely spontaneous experience. And I was my first year out of high school and I was I was studying to become an architect and working in a firm. And, you know, I was really full steam ahead with my brain working one way. And then there's this spontaneous channeling event that occurred, which really completely rewired things for me. So it reset my life completely into a new direction at that time. When you refer to voice channeling, how does that differ from other forms of channeling? Because I'm a, I'm a psychic medium, so I pick up stuff, right. but I do that in my evenings and weekends, as I call it, because I do a lawyer job by, during the day. That's my career. But oh, wow. I want to ask you, like, how does that differ from what somebody would might traditionally think of as a channeler? How does voice channeling differ? Well, I, I mean, voice channeling is the only kind of channeling that I've ever really done, I think. So I haven't got experience of other types of channeling. But for me, it really is like shifting gear. I like to think about my brain as being like driving a stick, I think you call it there in the States, uh, where you change gears. And changing gears allows my consciousness to move to a different almost to one side so my personality and my brain filter and everything I think that I know moves to one side and then something else comes up and how I used to think of it when I first started and with my understanding of metaphysics my experience back then was really that some another entity that was greater than myself would come into my body and, and, and literally take over and, and begin to speak. And so in the beginning, it was very cumbersome. You know, my body really took a hit and, you know, it was quite awkward looking and the changes. And sometimes even in the first maybe year that I was doing it, almost felt like contortions. That's how it felt for me to really ground that energy. But having done this now for so many years, it's such a seamless experience now. And I've come to understand that everybody innately can channel, but it comes from deep within us. And I think this is a much um, smoother experience for becoming a voice channel. In terms of channeling, have you found that there's any particular master, ascended master that comes to you more regularly than others? Uh, well, I first started off with um, with Serapis Bay, or Serapis, as he used to come through. And, um, and he came through very authoritative in the beginning, which is probably really what I needed because, I, you know, I was a bit of a rebellious teen at this time. And he was very much, you know, this is, this is how it goes and this is what we are doing. And so I think that that was a real requirement for me. Um, over the years, you know, um, Jermaine, Oh, he calls himself St. Germain to some people through me. He's Germain. And then Kuthumi. 
and they have very different tones as well. You know, um, Jermaine can be very, very strong and direct and unapologetic, but also have a great sense of humour. Whereas Kasumi also is, is much, I find, is much more gentle uh, and uh, very compassionate. And uh, people kind of bathe in the energy of him when he comes through. So yeah, it is different, and we never quite know who's going to show up. So that's always good fun. <laughs> How has your um, understanding and view of channeling changed throughout your life from your early experiences to today, for example? What have you found has changed in terms of your viewpoint about channeling over time? Well, I, think, I think this is a fundamental shift, actually, in how we view ourselves in relation to the rest of the universe. Because probably like many people that first delve into channeling or hear about channeling, we tend to still think ourselves in separation from everything else that we engage with in a spiritual context and in an everyday context. And so for me, that certainly was the experience in the beginning, that it was something else that was bringing this information through or someone else. And yet as we move more towards understanding, I think our interconnectedness uh, as, as beings and our innate capacity for wisdom my experience now is not that it's bringing something in, but that we're bringing something out. And I, I'm a great believer that uh, the human body itself is a portal to any kind of information, whether you believe that it's in the cells at a cellular level or an Akashic level or just as a doorway to the cosmos. Um, I think we are incredible beings to explore if we give ourselves permission to. <laughs> Well, and I think that's a great point you make because I think part of the limitations when you start learning that you can channel or you can understand and meditate or gain conscious awareness of something is fighting within yourself, understanding you don't have limitations. You're really unlimited with your capacity and your understanding, but you've got to get past that hurdle within yourself first, that obstacle before you can go forward and do all the other amazing light work that you're going to do throughout your life. I think that's probably something that at least I found from experience. I didn't know if you want to comment on that yourself. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that we've had, you know, many decades and centuries and perhaps millennia where we have idolized or put on a pedestal or created, you know, gurus out of people who seem to be more in touch with the divine. And I think the greatest gift we can, we can offer um, as awakened humans on the planet at this time is to show everybody that it's their, it's their divine right. It's our birthright to be able to access that kind of information and wisdom. So it's inherent in, in all of us. Um, and I think we are everyday humans, you know. <laughs> I do my best to be extremely human, even when I'm, you know, channeling a lecture on the mechanics of dimensional reality or something like that, because it makes it more accessible. And I think that's important right now. I'll say this. Uh, I consider it a privilege to be able to interview you on a Wednesday morning, my time, which I think it's evening your time and have this opportunity for a conversation to share with our audience. I think it's just the energy that jumps through our Zoom call right now is pretty high energy. And I appreciate you, you know, sharing your, your, your gifts with us today. I want to I ask you this. Going into your life experience, and we're in 2020 today. So, I mean, obviously, I want to ask you, what's your personal reflection on 2020 and all the, all the, all the stuff that's been going on in our, in our planet and, 
you know, between global warming and here in the United States, we have obviously a lot of chaos going on with Trump and everything else, not to get too deep into the politics of it, but our country is like a, a five-story burning building waiting to be put out. And we're just waiting for that to happen. But I want to ask you, what's your opinion on 2020 and, and how it's impacted our planet? And what do you think is going to be uh, the uh, likely outcome going forward? Well, it was interesting because, you know, at the beginning of every year, we do the masters give a synopsis of the year and we, we call it themes for the year. And interestingly enough, the theme, I think it was 2018, the, the, the whole event was called quarantine which I thought was very very curious and that was 2018 and that was about really well actually what we've touched on just now about going into your own space and discovering that you actually have access to everything that you need but this year 2020 was um sovereignty and nationalism and I thought, wow, that's interesting because I don't know about you, but I grew up in the era where when we were going through our education systems, there was a lot of talk about, you know, uniting the world. And there was a lot of, you know, United Nations and there was a lot of globalism that we were learning about. And I even went on and did studies on that in university, actually. So to hear the masters talk about a return to sovereignty and nationalism, I was, I was confused and a little bit perplexed. But, you know, I always just listen because it inevitably ends up being really important. And here we are, and it's exactly what we're seeing on the planet at this time. So what they've divulged since then and articulated a lot more clearly is that what's happening this year not only is it a, a breakdown of the old systems to bring in the new, which we've been writing and talking about for about 15 years now. We just didn't realise that this was the year it was going to happen. <laughs> and so quickly. Um, but really, the sense of isolation and all of the swirling beliefs that are going around, all the different narratives that are happening, the sense of physical distancing that's happening. Our borders here in Australia are completely closed. For example, no one can come in or out. It's very difficult to do. Wow. All of that is encouraging us to come back to ourselves because when you don't know what to believe and the rules keep changing all the time and you get to the point where it's so confusing, you, the only thing you've got left to believe is yourself. And this is where we turn back to our natural innate wisdom and our natural innate ability to make choices that are the most appropriate for our own conscience. And uh, I think that's what's happening. It's almost a massive unhooking from externalised systems of belief and order. And I think that that's what's happening on the planet this year. Interestingly, when you raise the word globalization, that's why I got globalization. I studied that. We're probably in the same time reference we're talking about. And I studied all that as well as an attorney. And I learned about our international systems and mores and norms and having us work together to have this comprehensive, I call it agreement amongst nations, right? And now you're talking about sovereignty and nationalism. And what that sounds like to me is going back 100 years. Right. And in that's terms of I our understanding of one another. I, I, I pray that that's not where we stay, but I could see that being an issue. Um, I want to ask you this. Going into the agreement, what is your favorite message from your book that you'd like to share with our audience in terms of our times that we're living in and just in general? 
Wow. Well, there's so much in that book to pick out one. I think that probably the most powerful one that stood out for me in all of the book, because we do go through, you know, relationships and the body and thought and belief. The most powerful one for me actually is that unknowing is the bridge to knowing. And I think this is really important right now because humanity at large is going through a period where nobody really knows what's going on. And I think that can happen on many levels. It can happen on a really collective level. It can happen on a really individual level where we don't really know where we're going in our lives or who we are anymore, particularly those of us who have been disenfranchised through social identity, through everything that's happened this year. So um, stepping into that unknown is really the most frightening thing for us because our minds are so addicted to being able to predict what's happening next. And yet learning to be comfortable in the I don't know is like stepping into the zero point where suddenly completely new permutations of experience, possibility and knowledge become available. And I think that that's just so indicative of where humanity is right now. (laughs) Nobody knows what's going to happen. Um, And it's not the end point. It's the bridge to the known. (laughs) I like your, I like, I like the way you, you describe that because I think that makes a lot of sense in, in, in the sense of being able to, fly by the seat of your pants, as we say here in the States, and not have anything, expectations about what tomorrow is going to bring, I feel like that's probably going to be the way 2020 is remembered is just expect the unexpected. There's nothing that's unexpected that we can't plan, that we can't expect to occur. In reference to our environment and the world itself right now, have you gained any wisdom of steps that we can take to fix global warming and fix the environment in reference to where we're headed in the next 25, 30 years as a planet? Has anything like that come through for your, for your journey, you know, your own wisdom from the ascended masters and what did you discover? Well, well, actually really interestingly, I'm running a four week seminar at the moment about natural law and systems and how humanity work with those. And interestingly, the content that just came out um, yesterday, we were talking about you know there's a lot of um there's a lot of conversation in a lot of spiritual contexts at the moment about an old earth and a new earth um i'm sure that you would have heard those terms swirling around about you know where we've been and where we're going the masters tend to talk about it a little bit more in terms of the original blueprint for the earth and what's ended up happening and what they talk about in terms of natural law is that according to natural law, the earth completely knows how to to create its own environment for its complete health. And it's really in, and here's the word, sovereignty of that, that it's such an incredible consciousness and it's such an incredible template for creation that it will continue to do what it does. We have also mentioned in seminars before that 
the planet has gone through natural cycles of change over hundreds of thousands of years. So part of what we've been seeing is that natural cycle. But the difference in what they're talking about now is that what humanity looks at as order is very, very different to natural law. And so what we tend to do as a, as, a, as a human collective is we look at the planet and we say, well, things aren't in order. So we need to get the earth back to order. Not really understanding that the earth has its own system and its own cycle of experience. So when we talk about order, we talk about it in a very 3D way where the systems of the planet are about repetition and about um, creation, but with attention for detail and to be able to do that repetitively. And if you think about the tasks that we do, the systems that we have set up, it's all about attention to detail repet repetitively over and over and over and over and over again. So cycles, the same thing. In other words, we're kind of manufacturing reality. I, I, Whereas, you know what? I like that. I like that. Go ahead. I didn't interrupt you. <laughs> yeah. But if we look at the natural laws and the natural systems, that's about attention to detail and variation. So incredible variation of creating with detail, which is why originally there's so many species on the planet, so many insects, so many plants. It's incredible this creation and that creation and that creation. And it's just this detail, but this incredible diversity of detail. And that's the planet as it's designed to be. Because humans have become so obsessed with a repetition of detail instead of variation of detail, that's where all our focus and attention is going. And that's what's become normal. So even with weather systems and patterns of things, we think that it should be repetitive and staying the same all the time. Did you see where we're going here? Instead of a variety and instead of nuances, we're looking for the same thing. And in reality, that we're not getting the planet we're living in and we're not understanding its own patterns and its own varieties right. that differ from our own expectations. Instead of us trying to blend the planet into our creation and our thing, and it's, you know, instead of thinking we're shepherds of the earth, we should respect the fact that we're renting the earth with other inhabitants and we need to be respectful of our place. Right. That's so my often, understanding. I, mean. I love that. And so oftentimes when we think <laughs> about correcting, correcting the planet, it's very easy to subliminally, you know, subconsciously try to correct it in terms of an order that might not necessarily be natural. And you've got to look at the variation instead and see what best fits the planet's needs and not our needs. That's right. I could see and that. Sorry, I was going to say another point that, that was made uh, in yesterday's seminar, which I thought was very interesting, was that when human attention and human consciousness is so focused on this, these systems of order and repetition, we're not actually seeing all the variation and diversity of what's available on the planet in natural law. So perhaps if we did divert our attention to variation of experience, we might actually begin to see the planet for what it really is and begin to devote more attention and focus to that because we are very distracted, <laughs> very distracted. We're bad guests and our host is not very happy with us. <laughs> That's how I would look at it. We're like that party that doesn't end and the host is trying to throw us out and we're sitting there not appreciating our position in the planet and the hierarchy of everything else with natural law. I, um, 
I like that analogy. And that's actually a good way of conceptualizing things. When the pandemic did occur, I mean, it's still going on, but when it first started back in March, when everything shut down across the whole planet, how did you view that shutdown? I know a lot of different pundits and people in the media across the planet were talking about, well, this was a much needed break for the planet to kind of regain its oomph after all the beating it's taken with global warming over the last 30, 40, 50 years. And my, my opinion was it wasn't enough. It's never going to be enough to reverse the true change we need to make to help the health of the planet go better. I was asking you what your, what your viewpoint was on that timeout session we, we had oh, in terms of our emission of fossil fuels and all that. Sure. Well, I mean, look, on a very basic human level, I'll put my hand up and say I was really perplexed and frustrated by it all. <laughs> because I travel a lot for what I do and I'm traveling a lot you know um so not being able to travel and feeling that sense of restriction was really challenging at the start and actually where I live in Western Australia we're still closed we've been closed since March so we can't go anywhere um so that's been a challenge um and of course I understand the reasons for that you know at at a structural and, uh, and uh, even somewhat political level. But I think, again, immediately my mind went to what did the master say this year was going to be about? It's about returning to yourself. What do I know? What works for me? How am I repositioning myself in this? Who am I listening to? Where are my decisions being made? And so for me, it's been a massive resetting like that for a global community that I'm a part of, so many people are reassessing their lives. Do I want to work like this anymore? Do I want to be doing this anymore? And, of course, I think the natural byproduct is when people's attention returns back to them, their selves and their essence, they stop consuming so much. They stop being distracted by trying to continually create repetitive experiences And naturally, I think we're expending less energy. And this is a really important thing because the systems on the planet are designed for us to donate energy to them to keep them running all the time, whether it be our focus or our attention or our money or whatever it is. And suddenly we're giving less energy to these systems and structures Is that a coincidence that some of these structures and systems are going to be breaking down now and many of them are and are going to be replaced with something that serves us better? (laughs) Well, that's the frightening part about the entire situation is trying to determine how these systems are going to reorganize. What's the malleability of the systems, right? So you're taking everything from the past and hitting a hard reset. Uh, We don't know what's going to emerge next. We don't know globally, politically. Uh, environmentally, consciously, spiritually. There's so many facets of the human experience that when you look at this type of uh, a shakeup, I live in Florida, where right now it's as if no pandemic ever existed. And yet we are under the barrel of a gun in global warming purposes with hurricanes that flurry. I'm in Tampa. So I, I regularly look during the six months of the year, I look at the tropics and I think, well, I'm here in the middle of the state on the West Coast. Well, what's the odds of a storm coming and wiping us out? That's a reality that we have here in Florida. Yet our governor here in Florida doesn't acknowledge that we have a pandemic that's killing hundreds, uh, you know, that's, that's killing hundreds of thousands of people across the country. And our, our state itself is fertile ground for this virus. And yet 
we're not taking proper precautions on any level whatsoever. That's the American sense of individualism is what's taking the lead right now when it should be, you know, cooperation and responsibility and social distancing, all those things. That's not our, that's not our situation. And I respect where you are in Australia, where you guys are treating it as adults, because I feel like we're the children in the room. And instead of leading by example, we're the, we're the crybabies setting the worst examples for the planet, obviously, in many ways. What I want to ask you this, going back, because I want, I want to focus on, on you for a minute with the agreement. What would be the, the best lesson that you've learned in terms of experience to share with our audience how they can combat the frustrations of the pandemic and the personal toll it's taken on each of us? What do you, what do you suggest uh, with reference to that? Well, I think that's an excellent question. I think that for many people, it's, it's making us reassess how, how we're positioned in relation to everything else. Because, you know, even though we've spoken about globalism and we've spoken about cooperation and the collective nature of life, I think we only tend to see ourselves as connected to other things that we think that we can either benefit from or serve in some direct way. And I think that we really, as, you know, a global collective, can start to look beyond that because we think that we're plugged in and we think that we're connected to people, but the level upon which we're in those connections or those relationships to everybody else is usually based on survival and it's based on how do we keep managing our lives. And I think this time now we're sort of questioning, well, which people do I really want to be around? If I, would I miss that person if I didn't see them every day? And if, <laughs> if I, you know, couldn't express myself or have this particular role in this job, would, it, would I still continue to exist? So I think we think that we've been connected, but we've been connected in terms of a function rather than who we are you know, as living, breathing, creative beings. Um, so right now, you know, a lot of people are really questioning their purpose and their identity and their position in life. Most people I know, I don't know how it is for you, but a lot of people are asking the big questions now, you know. <laughs> I'll say this. I'm a relatively spiritual person, and I know you are too, and I, I will say I've been challenged on a personal level, having to spend a lot of time by myself and meditating. I took a journey inwards, and for me, I, I've learned to forgive a lot of people in my life from my past and just made a lot of purging that occurred, which is positive for me. I know everyone's approaching this you know, differently, and some have difficulty with it. When you look at the next five years, what do you think, based on your, on your own journey spiritually and your own channeling. What do you think is going to be the next five years? What's the planet going to look like? And, and what do you think humanity is going to be doing to address these issues? Well, I think really the next five years is going to be incredibly experimental. And I know that that's not what people want to hear. I think there's going to be a real sense of being faced with everything that you think that you wanted, suddenly not doing it for you anymore. And, and I think that's really important because a lot of people, as you know, go through intense personal growth or, you know, expansion, usually when they're in a crisis, 
right? We go through the, what I call the squeeze, <laughs> the compression period where it's really because things are out, seem to be out of your control and there's a crisis that occurs that you begin to live for your best self when you come out the other side of that. You know, some people it's illness, some people it's, you know, relationship breakdown or their career busts up or they lose their business or whatever it is. They have that intense period. And I think that what's happening on a global level right now is that and the next five years we're going to be faced with do you really want to go back to that because it's still available or do you really want to move into something new because it feels more fulfilling to you and this is a period of time I think where it's not that one thing's necessarily going to be completely taken away I think it's still going to be sitting there but we're given choice for the first time. And if you think about it, if you really look at how things are set up on our planet, we think we have a lot of choice. But actually our choice has been quite limited because we've been so invested in these linear systems that set these pathways out. (laughs) That's an outdated way of thinking, for sure. Exactly. So I think there's going to be a lot of reflection for people. I think that there there is going to be a two a two a binary what I would call a two system setup on the planet for the next five to eight years, where there's still the old system available somewhat because people want to hang on to it, but there's going to be alternatives. So there's going to be things sitting alongside. And I think that's across the board. I think that's with currencies. I think that's with education systems. I think that's with um, relationship structures, all sorts of things. I think there's going to be choice. Where did you point on other life forms in the universe based on your own channeling and meditation and all that? I, I believe there's life on other planets. I think it would be, oh, okay. for me, irresponsible not to acknowledge that. I just didn't know if you have anything in terms of an opinion on that because that's something that I think fits within a complete picture of where we are in the universe is to think that we're not alone. It's actually interesting because not many people ask me that question. <laughs> But yes, yes, definitely. Although I never, I never see it in terms of 3D, you know, so I don't really see it as, you know, off in a galaxy far, far away. I think that there are other life forms and realities that are closer than our skin because it's a different dimensional reality. And, and I have had the privilege to be shown uh, how, you know, space and time travel works and, and that slipping through dimensions rather than having a lot of energy expenditure to create any movement, which if you think about it is how our whole planet is set up. We have to keep donating energy to create any movement. Um, it doesn't, as, as far as I've been shown, it doesn't really work that way. So I tend to think of it as um, different dimensional realities that sit alongside this earth reality. And, uh, and I think it's going to get clearer again in the next five to eight years how close that is. I think as the consciousness of humanity expands, we start to see a little bit more of what was always being there. And I think, of course, that's going to become a part of the human awareness on the planet. I think there's going to be a lot more awareness of what actually exists. What I like with your answer just now kind of ties into, I wanted to ask you about your viewpoint of 5D and beyond and how it relates to our 3D understanding of reality where we live right now. And if you could explain that a little for audience and, and what your viewpoints are. Sure. Yeah, the there's difference. a lot of people that talk about the shift between 3D and 5D, but very few people actually understand what that means in the mechanics of reality. So I'll try and explain it as simply as I can. 
So third-dimensional reality is based upon really cause and effect and cycles. So if we look at what it takes to push a ball up a slope, you've got to, to charge up energy in, in yourself or whatever object's pushing it, and then you donate that energy and then the ball starts moving. But you have to be consistent. So there's contact that's required and there's a donation of energy and then you've got to build up your charge again and donate energy. And, of course, that's how we as humans have learned to function as well, not how we're designed but how we function. So everything is about, if you think about a square-based grid, everything is in sequence and step. You can only move one direction at a time. You have a life journey. You have to map things out. If you make a mistake, you have to go back and move in a different direction and so on. So time, also linear like that. The other important thing about third-dimensional reality is that it's based on cycles of experience. It's the cycle of perpetual motion, which means, you know, things happen over and over and over and over again. (laughs) Like a circle or a wheel that goes around and around and around. And uh, it's very difficult to, to have anything new happen because everything's on repeat. And that's what we talked about before with creating. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right? With it detail. ties into our prior conversation earlier, for sure. Right. For sure. So you can sort of see where we're going here. So, so you have cycles of repetition and you have sequential movement and donation of energy. Very important. Like electricity on a circuit board. Everything has to be connected. And it's about being the right voltage, everything has to line up for it to work. A lot of moving parts in 3D. <laughs> so everything breaks down really easily. Forget like it. One thing to go out of balance and everything turns to shit. Sorry, 2020? <laughs> right. <laughs> one, one thing in the chain of events. 3D. There's 3D for you. <laughs> so when we start talking about fifth dimensional reality, We start talking about, instead of the closed loop system of a circle, we start talking about spherical reality. Now, spherical reality, if you're sitting at the centre point of it, you're the centre point of your reality. We We hear this sometimes in metaphysics. There are infinite number of directions that you can move to and that you can cast your attention in. You can create in multiple directions at once. And what happens is you don't have to donate any energy to create any change or to get things moving. You just have to sit in your resonance, and this is where, you know, quantum mechanics comes in, and then something appropriate of the same resonance, whether it be a person or an opportunity or a project, begins to show up in your reality in agreement with you. And this is what we talk about a little bit in the book. I don't go into physics because I'm not a scientist, but it's, it's, it's a similar principle where you start creating your reality in terms of resonance rather than cause and effect. Because when you're in cause and effect, you end up being in a continual loop of action and reaction, and it's very difficult to get out of it. Everything I can see where someone will be exhausted. Reflection. Yeah, it's a whole of well, when you <laughs> when you when you say that and you say cause and effect, I just keep thinking of you reacting to a negative situation, making it positive, moving on to the next, trying to keep going, and you're exhausted. You're you're, no. you're churning on all pistons, and you're not yeah. using your energy efficiently or the most yeah. efficient way possible. It's like the game of self improvement. It's exhausting, or trying to 
alter your thoughts so that you can alter your reality. Yes, it works to a certain extent, but it requires an awful lot of consistency. It requires repetition and it requires consistent focus, which is third dimensional. Uh, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I, I think of the matrix when you talk about these, like a paradigm shift. Yes. And I always use the, uh, the matrix example that we're all in these little pods. And as soon as we become aware, we pop out of the pod and we have all these things connected to us and we're trying to figure out our role. And that's why I feel like a paradigm shift can represent a real acute one, a, a, right. a true paradigm shift. I like the way that you described the spherical approach to 5D. It, it's a more comprehensive outlook. Do you think that we are capable of transitioning from a 3D reality to a 5D reality or understanding? And within a short period of time, or what do you think it's going to take for humanity to adjust and adopt? Well, it's happening right now. It's happening right now, and it's been happening for at least the last 16 years in small increments. You know, certain people are waking up and have new capacities and can see beyond and don't want to participate anymore. You see a lot of young kids these days coming through. I mean, I think it started with Indigo Kids way back, you know, where you know, we had things come out like ADHD or attention deficit because their attention's here and then it's here and then it's here and then it's here. It's spherical focus, spherical reality. And um, I think that it's happening anyway. It has been happening anyway. It's inevitable because of the vibrational shift of the planet. When the planet shifts, everything on it, or that's a part of that system has to shift. That includes us. And the, what, the last thing to go is the 3D systems that we've been donating so much energy to. And I think that's what we're seeing in 2020. What do you think is the most exciting thing that you've learned from writing the agreement that you'd like to share with our audience at this time that you haven't talked about yet during our interview today? The most exciting thing I'm playing with at the moment, actually, and, and bear in mind some of the content in this book is 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 it requires some time (laughs) but one of the most (laughs) exciting things i'm playing with in there is the idea that you can create and bypass a system of belief to have instant manifestation because if you think about it we we, we think about what we want to create we go through a system of belief as to how that can be created is it possible to create it or not? And that will determine the outcome or the permutation of how it gets created. And the master's talk in there, there's a section in there about about belief, that we don't have to have a belief in order to create something. To me, that's so... That's mind-blowing. It is. <laughs> I kind of see what you're saying when you say that. we've always learned. It's the opposite. So I'm playing with that at well, the moment. You know, that's interesting because I've learned, I've learned to use manifestation myself with manifestation boards. And I mean, I, I kind of moved from a office to a working from home. So everything's here kind of. Yeah. And I took one of my tri race boards from my office and put it in my bedroom and started experimenting myself with manifestation and, and listing things on my board that I want to have accomplished within, you know, a four month, a four, a four, a four week period. And I listed things out starting in January before the pandemic, like organized garage, you know, <laughs> develop this do that and i noticed over the span of three or four weeks without me even touching anything my mom comes over helps me organize my garage without me even asking her for that or i've had an amazing legal assistant help me with my law firm or different things or even for my podcast you know 
I manifest, I want to have some interesting and intriguing guests and you appear on the show. The manifestation thing is powerful. And so when you talk about having the ability to manifest in a shortened period of time to become more efficient and manifesting, that sounds like a pretty significant thing. Well, you're operating in resonance because there wasn't a lot of expended energy or strategy that was involved in that occurring. So I think that's, yeah, it's it's a great demonstration. I think the other important aspect about this too is when we start to create beyond belief, we actually start to create things that we have no idea are even possible. Now, this is interesting because if you think about the creation process for most people, if you think of something you want to create or you intend something you want to create, you already have an idea about it, so it must already exist somewhere. How do we create anything new? Interesting point. You have to imagine it. you got to see it before you see it, right? Right, right. So that's, you know, that's kind of like moving beyond the repetition of creating things. I mean, I think if you look at people's vision boards, for example, I know back in the day when I did a couple of classes on vision boards, you know, quite often you would see a lot of people put the same things on their boards. You would see similar things. Those things exist already. So, you know, when we're thinking about creating to improve our lives or are we creating really for the experience of creating something completely new how do you do that if you have no reference for new you know you know what fascinates what you're saying and fascinates me when you say this i think back to i think to anyone i know who's very artistic that can draw from scratch and create with the mind what i i draw stick figures and i'm proud of myself i did my first pumpkin <laughs> carving recently and I had a friend with stencil show me how to do it. And I, I took painstaking effort to do it. I was so proud of it. It's a little simple jack-o'-lantern pumpkin that you know, I, I cut out. My point is people can imagine things, make things happen, and then boom, we're on, we're on the moon. <laughs> I'm, I'm obviously simplifying. But when you think of our capacity to imagine something, create something from nothing, and the talent that it exists within human ingenuity, that certain gifted individuals on our planet like Leonardo da Vinci, or others throughout history have created this amazing legacy. And I think for you being a channeler, you're creating content right now that impacts the lives of so many that can help. And I I find that fascinating. What do you think from your experience as a channeler, you would recommend to someone who's listening in the audience right now that hasn't channeled much, but feels like they have some type of innate ability. How would you recommend to that person to pursue their gift, go forward, not be limited by their own self-perceived limitations in order to dream this new reality our future can be? Oh, I just love that. What a great question. Well, I think, you. you know, it comes back to, which seems to be a bit of a theme for 2020. You know, it's when you don't know what to believe, believe yourself. And, you know, this whole sense of sovereignty, you are the authority. And if you are the authority for yourself and in your own sphere of reality, you are the one that's making the rules for how your life works. So when it comes to channeling, it's just knowing that on a much deeper level and it's completely trusting whatever arises in that moment. I mean, I have to say, I've, you know, I've been doing this for a long time now, so now it's just like breathing. But far out, I had many years where I'd get in front, in front of an audience and I would be really, you know, oh, geez, you know. <laughs> 
I hope this makes sense. And, and for the first few sentences that came out, I would be like a hard taskmaster, you know, checking people's faces and how are they responding and does this sound right? And now it's just like whatever it is, trust it. Because really dropping into the space of oh, I have no idea, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what my reaction is going to be. I don't know what information is going to come out if you ask me a question. And remember what we said before, that not knowing is the bridge to knowing. As soon as you put that in the space of, well, I don't know, there it is. That's such a great point you raised. When I first started doing the psychic mediumship, I, had a, I have a best friend who persuaded me to do so. And I had to go over, overcome my own in the individual limitations in my own mind, that uncertainty. Am I going to do a good job? I only do this when I don't plan it. It just happens. And then having this paradigm shift within myself to go and say, okay, I'll meet so-and-so at three o'clock on Saturday, give a reading to them, like that scheduling in the mind. Yeah. That changed. Overcoming those limitations helped me become where I am right now, which is giving readings to people and doing this show and different things. But I think that that is a big lesson and a, and a big part of our journey is you know, you can look at all this. You can look at all the limitations physically on this planet, a door to our house. You lock it when you sleep at night. Right. Or you get in the car, you lock the door, you turn the car on, you go forward. But the, but the reality is our limitations are really for ourselves, not physical. It's psychological, it's spiritual and it's belief. mental. Belief. Right. And yeah. belief and faith in yourself and love yourself and all those things. So I think moving forward, we can look at 5D as something as understanding ourselves and channeling that, not using the word channel, as I should say, the way you channel, but utilizing all that information to escape our own limitations within ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, we're entering a time now where people and people will often ask me, you know, how do I know if I'm making this up? Because it came out of my mouth. You know, you know, lights didn't come down and ascend from the heavens. Then <laughs> up next day, it came out of my mouth before I even knew what I was saying, and it was just what needed to be said. How do I know this wasn't my imagination? And and this was in a in a seminar a few months ago, and Masters came through and said, "There is no difference at this time on the planet." With the current level of consciousness, there is no difference between imagination and intuition. Wow. I love that. We're running low on time, and I want to make sure I talk to you about your, your website. If anyone from our audience wants to contact you, I believe they can contact you at info at rebeccadawson.net. Is that correct? Sure. Yeah. Or, or through uh -huh. the website as well. There's a place there where you can uh, contact and and send me an email or a message. And, and, and on your website, you also have your other books, The Agreement, which we discussed today, The New Human Experience, and The Game of Purpose. If you were a spirit animal, I always ask this on my show, so I'll ask you this. If you were a spirit animal, which spirit animal would you be and why? And before you have to answer, I'll just, I always give my example. I like the idea of being an owl. Uh, the reason why, I have two parrots. I grew up with parrots. I, I identify with birds as spirit animals. The owl is, is for me, wisdom and can can see things from a 360 point of view. And, and I'd like to pride myself on being open-minded and looking at things from different viewpoints. So that's where I am in terms of my own spirit animal. I love that. I love that. You know, no one has ever asked me that before. <laughs> <laughs> I've, so I've never actually really thought about it, but I do have a lucky sign. 
And every time I'm about to make a major life-changing decision or if I've just made a major life-changing decision and I'm freaking out about it, which is actually, it happened to me most recently about three weeks ago, a giant dragonfly will come up and literally come in front of my face. And it did it three weeks ago in the middle of a storm. <laughs> so I was like, okay, good. So for me, dragonfly is uh, is a really powerful symbol in my experience. I don't know if you know. And those are very, yeah, those are very strong spiritual beings. So I can understand that. And they represent change and transformation, as I understand, if I'm right. But oh, oh, excellent. Well, I, I guess so. For me, they just turn up and I go, okay. <laughs> and whatever you've been worrying about when when. I don't usually do this on a podcast, but when you were just talking about that, whatever it is that you're talking about from three weeks ago, works out to be a very successful situation for you. I, oh, I get that. Thank you. In, thank you. Intuitively, as you were that. telling me that. I just refinanced after a divorce. So I hope so. Okay. Oh, no, your 2021 is <laughs> you. a good year for you. Not to throw psychic reading into an interview, no, 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 but I wanted I, to share I, that I with you it. since we're talking. Thank you. It rarely happens for me. So <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy to accept that. Thank you. <laughs> Be ready for a rewarding 2021. That's my prediction. And I know it's general, but <laughs> on, a, on a last note, I want to ask you, what's next for you? Oh, well, I'm probably just like you right now. You know, I, I think, wow, I'm, I'm kind of watching and waiting to see how things are going to unfold. Because I think, you know, like many of us that are sitting in 2020 now, we all had plans and projections and, and ideas of life continuing and expanding on in the same thread that it was, and now it's been completely disrupted, um, I am quite excited to say I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because usually when I say I don't know, something really cool happens that I wouldn't have thought of before, and usually it's being invited to do something that I hadn't thought of. Or rather than distract myself with what I think I should do, it makes me available for something else. So I feel like I'm becoming available for something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> You're open. You're open to yeah. the world. You're open to opportunities, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I know we're low on time. I want to thank you for coming on the show and for sharing your uh, experience as a channeler and author with us and discussing the agreement. It's such a pleasant uh, discussion today on this topic. It's so important to have this kind of information available to our audience, I think, globally. I think our world is in such a transition state that having you provide the information that you can share and, and just the knowledge really does truly comfort and help people. While we're looking for these patterns of familiarity, when you have a nuance, a change, and, and you can show us that blueprint, I think that's very helpful. And I want to thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you. It's been an absolute delight um, co-creating this <laughs> with you today lots of fun thank you so uh, what much. an amazing wednesday for me i'll be honest with you I, I think it's such a it's such a gift and such every day is a gift obviously right but yes. it's such an amazing gift to have you and look think of the, the technology you're in perth australia right now and i'm in tampa florida and we're 12 hours difference from each other yet we can is that where you are in perth is it 12 hours or is it greater than that right now yeah, what time I is it by you today. it's yeah it's wow it's really 9 30 so yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time in your busy evening to talk to me. And I'm just starting my day today. We're on this mass moving orb in the universe and look where we are right now. And I just want to, and, and if you have anything new coming up in the future, when, when I should say, when you have new content coming out, think of our show. I'd love to have you back on. It's okay. such a pleasure. I, I would love that. I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you for having me. Same here. Same here. Thank you okay. so much. I appreciate you. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye.
I just want to thank Rebecca Dawson for coming on the show today and for sharing her amazing experience as a channeler and as an author with our audience. She's based out of Perth, Australia. She's been practicing for 25 years as a channeler, a speaker, and she's an author as well, as I said. When you have amazing guests come on the show and share their experiences, and a lot of times it's outside the box of what we consider the norm of our society, I just cherish these moments when we can have someone from Australia come on the show, share their personal experience. And because of technology, we can do that now, even in the midst of a, of a pandemic that's ravaging our, our world and our, our planet. We can share ideas and, and share approaches. And that's one thing I want to share with each of you today is looking at the agreement. I would say, take, it, take a look at it, check it out. It's, it's something that I think is well worth the read well worth exploring. It helps us in terms of elevating our, our conscious awareness to help us undertake the shift that's necessary, the roadmap that's necessary for going forward for this new level of, of approaching our cosmic reality. For any of you struggling right now, I know it's hard. I know that it's, it's been a rough year for many of us. And no matter where you are on this planet, I want to tell you that improvements are on the way. Uh, one of the best things you can do right now is improve within yourself your viewpoint, how you look at things. Paradigms are always a word I use uh, my entire life that I've appreciated more than any other term or any other concept. And that is, how do you view the world within your own confines? What do you do when you see a situation in your life that you're not happy with? Do you get upset about it? Uh, what efforts do you make to make changes? And how do you reapproach a situation when it doesn't work out to your advantage? These are skills that so many of us have taken for granted until recently. 2020 is the year of the detour. It's the year that convenience is not something we've really learned to take for granted. But I think when you look at things right now, we've learned not to take anything for granted anymore. The more you can appreciate what we're going through right now, the better prepared you'll be for the future and for what's next. Check out the agreement check out Rebecca Dawson. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind. Embrace your paradigms and know that the universe is always yours to explore. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.
Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Electric acid. 